Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, Shelly. Every time I, I hear you start the show, I in my mind, I, I'm supposed to be hearing the intro music because it always throws me off when we start. It doesn't just like play out of the heating vents in our house. <laughs> it doesn't. In fact, mm. I've turned the heat off. Isn't that a bold move? Yeah. It's, by the way, hella cold yeah. here in Washington, D.C. area. Snowy, icy. Kids have been out of school for days now. Can I say the actual intro? Oh, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) At least we're not in the Midwest, FYI. Oh, yeah, people have died. Like, are you bringing us down? We haven't even started. And people have lived as well. (laughs) Most people are living. (laughs) God, so morbid. Can we just have a do over? No, this is fantastic. (laughs) This is. Okay, okay, go. The podcast about an ex Mormon gay girl trying to figure out her life. I'm Mary. And I'm Shelly. You hear that sound? Mm -hmm. You may hear some bone chewing sounds. It's domino. <laughs> you know how dogs are. They're very social. They got to be exactly right where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie, we have crated for this episode. Yeah, or? that's what we have to do because if the two dogs are left out together, they wrestle and fight and growl and play tug. And you and, can't hear and anything. And they slam into things and it's like there's, it's oh, WWE the growling in our house. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's WWE. Yeah. The growling is really loud. Yeah. It's yeah. like play growling, but it's so loud. Like like we have to yell to talk to each other when they're play growling. Mm-hmm. So we have to lock Eddie up because if we lock Domino up, Domino will bark and whine and cry the entire time, and then we cannot record. So we lock right. Eddie up, who's probably taking a nap right now. Well, Domino mm-hmm. went and got himself a bone, brought it down mm-hmm. to the recording studio. Yeah, so you may hear some chewing throughout this episode until he decides to fall asleep. So mm-hmm. that's that'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Real life, people. Real life. True. So this week we started recording video. We did. We are going to roll out a new segment called The After Show. Mm-hmm. We're going to refresh our memories by listening to a podcast and then talk about it on camera. Yes. For about 20, 25 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we're going to do. We're figuring out how we're going to roll this out. Did I ever say roll? You can say it twice. Can, can I say roll more than once? As many times as you want, baby. <laughs> okay, we're rolling it out. <laughs> <laughs> On Patreon, does anybody... Raise your hand. This is Shelly's expression. Oh, that's my line. Let me say <laughs> it. Raise, raise your hand if you've ever heard of Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> What's Patreon, Shelly? Patreon is a tier-based subscription service mm-hmm. where you will be given access um, to more of our additional footage, episodes. Outtakes. Outtakes. 
videos, whatever. We've got a lot planned. Swag. Swag, yes. And so there are different subscriptions you can be a part of. And you can also tell us, like, what do you want to hear more of? What do you What do you want? Yeah. So it's just a really good way, I think, of forming, you know, more of a community feel to it. We're going to give you what you want. You help us cover our costs because this is actually... It's really time-consuming. Very time-consuming. Our equipment... I keep buying new stuff. You I do need keep to buying stop. new stuff. I need to stop, stop purchasing. We'll just stick with this egg crate foam <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, but now I'm always questioning, is it the right mic? Do I have the right camera for video? Oh, that's true. I just bought some orange gels to warm us up a little bit. I mean, there's so much to it. <laughs> I would, you know what else is in my Amazon cart right now? Tell me. Light meter. A light meter. A light meter. You're losing your mind. No, this is what you do okay. when you're doing production. Okay. All right. Well, I love it. Um, as far as we pay- also have a lighting oh, kit, we do because when we when we film, we want it to look semi professional. Well, you need light, as well, it turns yeah. out. There's a lot of videos we we watched uh, some Patreon videos to get started. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know anything about lighting, and they it's they horrible. shoot. With light source behind them, yeah. which puts their face in the darkness and then an annoying light behind them, which right. is, it's a no-no. Right. So, and a lot of people know that sort of intrinsically. It's like when you... Well, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people don't, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So, yeah. essentially, we're trying really hard to give you listeners what you are asking for. Um, yeah. I enjoy it, but it is very time-consuming, but we enjoy it. We want to do it. So, Patreon. Time-consuming and, and expensive, yes. unfortunately. Yes. Our, our Patreon page not up yet. We're still building it. This is a teaser. It's a teaser. Yeah. You're being teased. So be <laughs> ready. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming. Okay. Cool. Did you do anything fun last week, Mary? Uh, besides edit the podcast and yes, also did spend time. trying to put more videos on um, mm-hmm. YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we shot the first after show, mm-hmm. which I have to edit. True. So we can Oh, we that. shot the Patreon intro. Oh, yeah. Which was... <laughs> I want to tweak that. Yeah, we, for sure we'll <laughs> tweak it. But I think, because it must have taken us how, how many tries to get it right. I mean, well, there's going to be some good outtakes from that because we suck <laughs> at video. Like, we'll get better. I think we suck as well, bad as, at video as we did when we first started audio. Do, do I need to buy a teleprompter next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me read it. Are those expensive? <laughs> and I am Shelly, and this is... Oh, is that your delivery? <laughs> no wonder we improv it. <laughs> no wonder it took us like 25 times to record. Well, that's an exaggeration. Well, the thing is, we didn't really plan it. We just started. We just started, we just started talking, talking, and we just weird that, we do. I know. So weird that we started talking over each other. <laughs> Guys, be it's patient with curve, us. We're getting it. Kids. We're figuring it out. <laughs> we are new to this game. We really are. And if anyone doubts that we will improve, just go back to listen to episode one mm-hmm. and then compare it to episode like eight, nine, ten. Yeah, they, exactly. they get better. Yeah. Except for this one's going to have a lot of bone chewing all the way through it. Yeah. Blame Domino for that. Yeah. That's not a weird glitch in the audio. Mm-mm. That's our dog. It's a weird glitch in our family called Domino. <laughs> He's a glitch. <laughs> he is a glitch. He's a tiny little glitch. He's a tiny little glitch from, <laughs> glitch from the mean streets of North Carolina. Is that where he's from? I think so. South Carolina. Okay. My turn. Can I tell about my week? Yes. Go. Okay, thanks. Um, so the last time I went to the dentist, they told me that I have receding gums. Oh, it's bad, you guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Um, of course, Mary blamed me. Like, you brush too hard. Turns out it's actually not from brushing too hard. I mean, brushing too they hard can make that it worse. so you don't you know, feel guilty. No, they said <laughs> it can make it worse, but genetically, I have thin gums. Mm. And because I had braces when I was younger, they kind of like pull your teeth down or up, depending on whatever you need, and that can make your gums thinner. Anyway, that's not the point of my story. The point of my story is I went to an oral surgeon and... 
and she is awesome, by the way. It's Karen Sperling. If anyone needs to have oral surgery done, <laughs> check her out. She's on Maple. Well, you haven't had the surgery yet, to be fair. Yeah, but she showed me her teeth, and they're amazing. Did she do the surgery on herself? Well, a friend did. Um, <laughs> no, but you she should showed, go to the friend. She showed me books of pictures. Okay, I'll report back. And okay. if it's horrible, then I'll say don't go to her. But her office is fantastic. Uh, anyway, it's in Vienna. So if anyone's looking for an oral surgeon, check her out. Okay. So she looked at my teeth. We did x-rays, took pictures and stuff. And then she's like, yeah, we can we can easily fix this. The process is, though, check this out. I'm a little freaked out about this. Mm-hmm. In order to cover the, the tops of my teeth where the gums have receded, they get gums from a dead person, like cadaver gums and yeah. staple that shit in your mouth. They don't staple it. It's like a like a, like a staply stitch thing. A Maybe staply it's a stitch? stitch? I don't know. Either way, I'm going to have <laughs> dead people gums in my mouth. <laughs> I don't know that I'm ever going to kiss you again. Well, if you do kiss me, you'll be kissing me and like Devin or whoever. <laughs> oh, Devin <laughs> the dead guy? <laughs> dead guy Devin. I'm like, who, who are you kissing That's now, really Mary? That's really weird. So I told her, I said, wow, Karen. Um, when I was younger, I watched this movie about this guy who needed a heart transplant and the heart transplant he got from this dead guy, obviously, because you don't, he's dead or yeah, living people can't give you their heart. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> anyway, then come to find out afterward that the, the dead guy whose heart, the good guy now has, he was a Oof. serial killer. So now the good guy has this heart in him. Now it's, it's making him want to kill people. Mm. So I told Dr. Sperling, I'm like, Hey, can you do like a background check on whatever dead bodies these gums so come from? So your new gums are going to make you crave weird foods or something. Ooh, maybe <laughs> might make me not like foods. Huh. I don't think it really works that way. Anyway, a little freaked out. I'm yeah, going to have dead people movie. gums in my mouth. Yeah, I'm freaked out about it, too. I'm mm-hmm. going to kiss you, and you have cadaver gums. His name's Devin. <laughs> I already decided that. <laughs> God, this is grossing me out a little bit. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. What are we talking about? Typically, we start with some listener email. Yeah. And today is no different. Okay. Not breaking tradition Not yet. Not going to break tradition yet. So... I received a message from a lady by the name of Katie Anderson, and she wrote an article that was published in the Huffington Post. Okay. Uh, Katie Anderson is, or was at the time, Mormon, and her sister is a lesbian and got married. And the name of the article is, How Attending My First Gay Wedding Changed Me as a Practicing Mormon. Hmm. And it's a fantastic article. One of the quotes um, I'll just read to you, it says, My upbringing may have taught me that a homosexual lifestyle is wrong, but my life experience has changed my perception. Cool. So what a beautiful thing. I I want to direct everyone to go check out the article, find it on Huffington Post. It's by Katie Anderson, and it's called How Attending My First Gay Wedding Changed Me as a Practicing Mormon. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Mary, was there a time when you, like the first time you met someone who was gay or, or when was the first time you thought being gay was was okay like what what was that Well it was weird for me because I grew up in this tiny little town and I didn't know any gay people Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really think about it a whole lot. Was it talked about in your home, like the sins of gayness or whatever? No, it was never discussed. Hmm. I grew up in the church. Well, not the Mormon church, but like small town Methodist. And then later my mother found Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think he was hiding behind the sofa. <laughs> there he was. <laughs> I saw that on a t-shirt one time in, in Key West. <laughs> <laughs> found you, Jesus. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Just lift the sofa cushions. You're going to find him. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she found him in kind of a big way. Mm-hmm. And then we started going to these non-denominational Pentecostal churches after that. I still didn't know any gay people. They didn't talk about it in church at all? No. They didn't talk a lot about sins from the pulpit. It wasn't about that. It was about 
the saving grace of Jesus. Wow. I'm not saying there wasn't judgment. I think the most judgment, though, I felt in my own family because my mother was raised in a super critical household gotcha. when she was young. Mm-hmm. So she learned to be critical. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was the regular do's and don'ts from the Ten Commandments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And certainly in our family, we were taught that you don't have sex before marriage. And it was kind of a just a known thing in the church. Yeah. But I don't remember people talking about homosexuality huh. from the pulpit. I don't know. Maybe my sisters would have a different memory of it. But I don't even remember us talking about it at home because it just wasn't a thing. Well, Mary's sisters, if you have a different memory, yeah, give Mary me a know. call. Say, Mary, you were not paying attention growing up, were you? Yeah, possibly. But my first experience with a gay person was when I was 16 years old. My best friend, we grew up together. He lived down the street. He was actually my first boyfriend, which is kind of funny because we both ended up being gay later in life. You guys turned each other? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I was like, ooh, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. He ended up telling me, actually, I guessed when we were 16. Mm-hmm. Did he, you ask him or he told you? Well, one day we were hanging out and he had news he wanted to tell me and he was kind of beating around the bush. He wasn't getting to it. And I just guessed. I think I guessed a couple of ridiculous things and I knew weren't the answer. Are you an alien? No, it wasn't that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I said, are you gay? And he said, bingo, <laughs> in a very flamboyant way because he was a little flamboyant. So is that how you sort of guessed that he was gay because he was a little flamboyant or... Well, that and when he was a little kid, he used to like to ride his bike around the neighborhood wearing his mother's high heels and a wig. (laughs) So there's that. Okay, so there's a clue. (laughs) That is a big clue. So when he said bingo, did you have like any judgment or were you, was it gross to you? Like what was your reaction? I think I was a little bummed or something, but because he was such a good friend Mm -hmm. and I was already kind of like, the church is driving me crazy. And so I kind of didn't care about all the religious judgment stuff as much. Were you already sort of rebelling at that point? Oh, yeah. I was already like sneaking alcohol and stuff. Oh, go girl. So it wasn't like the <laughs> announcement of your friend being gay was this it wasn't a big horrible shock. moral dilemma to you now. Like, do I stay his friend? Do I try to get him help? Right. No. Okay, good. Uh-uh. No, I was going to be his friend no matter what. And mm-hmm. our friend group had already suspected that he was gay. It's the riding the bike in the heels and the wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a big shock. And I loved him no matter what, I mm-hmm. think. Um, I did spend years later feeling homophobic because when I was struggling with my own coming out experience, I was fighting it. I was fighting coming out. Wow. Gosh, like a year later, a year later, I was coming out. How did you, what do you mean you fought it? What do you, you, didn't want to be gay. Yeah, but how do you fight it? What does that feel like? Are you trying to pray it away? Are you trying to make yourself be attracted to boys? What Um, what was this? It was more like just internal wrestling Mm -hmm. with yourself, you know? I knew that I wasn't attracted to guys at that point, but I didn't want to be attracted to girls. I think my brain was just trying to reject that idea. So I said some homophobic jokes and things. Like one of them that was going around in the 80s was, uh, what does gay stand for? And the answers got AIDS yet. And that's horrible. And I told that joke more than once. I wish I could go back and erase most of the things I said when I was Mormon. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I went through that. And that's that often happens that someone is fighting their own urges of Mm -hmm. homosexuality. So they become very vocal about yeah, so they're more yeah. homophobic. Right. And they're more vocal about it. Right. Yeah, because huh. they're struggling internally. Interesting. Yeah, so I wasn't as harsh on 
my friend Greg as I was on myself, I think, when I was struggling with it. Because I knew it would be a, a battle, a battle with my mother. Yeah. Well, and it, it, and you're and right. It, it yeah, still is. still is. Did you have a moment where you finally just accepted it? And was it a relief or was it like, oh, shit, this is who I am. I'm just going to have to deal with it. What What do you think? What was it? Was I it think a, it was B. Like, <laughs> oh, shit, this is what I am. Yeah. I think the relief part came years later, mm-hmm. you know? When I finally loved and accepted myself. Yeah. I had to get to the point where I was comfortable in my own skin. And mm-hmm. that took a while. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I lost a bunch of weight. I was a senior in high school trying to fit in like everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we moved out of that small town and moved to Virginia Beach where there were a lot more people, a lot more diversity, mm-hmm. and there were more gay kids. So it wasn't as difficult. But still, it was the 80s. Yeah, that's rough. That's Not rough. a great time to be gay yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, like 10 years after that, everybody was gay, I felt like. <laughs> Did you ever hear that expression, lug? Lesbian until graduation. Right. <laughs> that was a big thing in the 90s. Wow. I knew a few of those. So it was just a struggle, but I finally came to terms with it, got over my fear and my own homophobic reaction, mm-hmm. and just had to accept who I was. Yeah. One thing I wish that I could take back when I was in elementary school, I was part of the cool crowd, and there was a kid there who was Mormon, actually, and he was gay. I mean, he's out of the closet now, but he was flamboyant as a, as a sixth grader. He might have been a year younger than me. He might have been in fifth grade. But these two boys in my friend group picked on him all the time. Mm, that's unfortunate. Yeah, they were very mean to him, and I didn't stand up for him yeah. at all. I, I tried to defend myself by saying, well, I didn't say anything mean, but I also didn't stop it from happening. And they, you know, they pushed him around, and uh, it sucks. Well, I wish I yeah. could find him now and apologize, but I've looked, I've tried, and I, I haven't been able to find him. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I actually ran into him a long time ago at BYU campus, actually, but he was there doing something for another school, I don't remember, and I said hi to him. But when I was at BYU, I was being super Mormon at the time, and so I mm-hmm. remember thinking, oh, he's for sure gay, and how horrible and disappointing. And, you know, it's funny, when I was at school in Arizona, my second year of college, there were quite a few lesbians there on the basketball team or going to school there on the rodeo team or whatever. Rodeo team. Yeah, there's a rodeo team. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, in my mind, it was wrong just because that's how I was raised. But I liked these people. They were fun to hang with. They were fun to party with. It didn't make me uncomfortable at all that they were gay. Yeah. It wasn't until I left school there and and went to BYU and figured, oh my gosh, I have to get my life together and be this perfect Mormon girl. That's when the real judgment started creeping in to my heart. That's when I really started having these, I won't say hateful because I don't think I'm a hateful person, Mm -hmm. but these feelings of that being so wrong and hearing people in my family and my husband's family talk about how, you know, the gay people are trying to destroy the traditional family and they're just all about base sex mm-hmm. and hearing those things being talked about. I adopted that as my own opinion without remembering how much I cared for these gay people that were at college with me in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I think my first time as an adult actually finally kind of turning the corner. I mean, as I was starting to leave Mormonism, I was relaxing a lot of my feelings about gay people and alcohol and whatever, all the, all the mm-hmm. dumb things that, that Mormonism preaches against. And one very monumental experience was I was at the airport. And at this time I was in a marriage that was just kind of miserable for me at that point. I hadn't accepted that I was gay. I was just very miserable. Right. And I was standing in line to get on the plane. And there were these two girls 
a couple people in front of me and they were clearly gay. They were kind of holding hands and very close to each other and they were laughing and talking and they were looking at each other so lovingly and you could tell they were each other's world, you know, mm-hmm. and they looked so happy and in love and I, I probably looked creepy because I just stood there and watched them for the entire time we stood in line. <laughs> and I was thinking there's no way that that kind of love is wrong. Yeah. Because here I was stuck in my marriage where the love was all but gone at that point And we were just fighting and arguing all the time. But that Mormon marriage was held as the goal. Like that's what you were supposed to have. Sure. And what I was looking at in these two women was something that was supposed to be disgusting right. and evil and right. wicked and it was beautiful. Yeah. And it felt like real love. And I looked at them and I was jealous of uh, the love they had yeah. with each other. And I think that was my first moment of going, yeah, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Being gay is not wrong. Yeah. When I graduated from college, I lived back at home for a time and I decided, you know what? I tried the gay thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to give the church like one last hurrah. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went to see the Christian counselor. How did that go? I, I wish I could remember more about it. The woman I was seeing at the time, and that's a whole story because she was my first real love. Mm-hmm. And then I met Shelley. <laughs> your second real love. <laughs> that you love more love. than your first real love. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we had decided to see her. I don't know that we went together, but we had found out that this woman had gone through conversion therapy of some sort, and she was no longer a lesbian, even though clearly Bullshit. she was a yeah. lesbian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was seeing her for a few months, a therapist, and I don't even remember. I think I blocked it, like what she was trying to drill into my head about homosexuality or whatever. Mm-hmm. Clearly it didn't stick. Didn't stick. I wish I had the wherewithal to take notes back in those days to yeah. find out what the heck we talked about it because I don't remember. After college, I decided to give the church another go, and I got into Bible study. I was going to church every Sunday. Go ahead, girl. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this friend who became my girlfriend, And she asked me how things were going. She knew I sort of struggled with homosexuality through Mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to know how it was going. And I said, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm in church. I'm in Bible study. I'm not meeting women. So it's not like I'm tempted. I'm not around it. Mm -hmm. But I said, but, you know, if I was in this environment and then I was presented with someone that I was really attracted to, that would be super hard. I don't know what I would do. Mm -hmm. That one night we were talking in my car. She was dropping me off after probably Bible study. Mm -hmm. And when she asked me this question, and it was like she was raising her hand going ding, 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 (laughs) because she was attracted to me. Yeah. And it just sort of happened. Right. It just sort of happened. The weird thing is she had dated this guy named James and... James decided he liked me then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Later, James married this other woman who turned out to be a lesbian. Oh, my gosh. James can pick the gays. Yeah, he, he has a type. But one time <laughs> he told me, because he knew about this woman and myself, mm-hmm. and one time he said, I know you think you're in love, but this love you're feeling is the best that Satan has to offer. Oh, what a douche. Yeah. I mean, he believed it. Well, you know? so many people do. I remember talks in general conference, which is the big Mormon meeting with the, the super high ups of the church, saying that um, gay relationships were counterfeit. Uh, That's pretty hurtful to yeah. say that our relationship, you and I, is counterfeit. It's not a real relationship. It's not real love. You know what is actually counterfeit, though? What? Mormonism. You're right. Are you beginning to think that it's fake? I'm starting to really think it's fake. (laughs) 
Oh my God, that was perfect timing. That was very good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Are we sick of that yet? No. Okay. No, never. <laughs> Audience, let us know if you're sick of that joke. <laughs> we'll retire it. We should probably move on. Okay. We have another Pimp Your Pod we segment. Do. We do. Who is Can this I one tell from? about it? Yeah, you okay, talk thanks. about it. So this is a friend of mine named Jules Hannaford, and I actually met her through podcasting, and she's been an amazing resource yeah. uh, for both of us as far as figuring this out. She's fantastic. She has a podcast called Hong Kong Confidential. Basically, she lives in Hong Kong. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. Hence the name Hong Kong Confidential. Thank (laughs) you, Mary. Is that what you were going to say? Uh Yeah, pretty much. She interviews every kind of person you can imagine. She has a doula, a lot of LGBTQ activists, human rights defenders, psychologists, life coaches, businesswomen. I mean, you name it. She firefighters. Firefighters. Right? One of my favorites that I listened to so far is a transgendered bodybuilder. Hmm. Amazing story. So she asks incredible questions and you get to hear about these lives of people that you wouldn't really come into contact with. I really do think the more that we can learn about other people, the more we understand life in general and the more forgiving we are and the more understanding we oh, are. for just sure. Makes for a better place. Yeah, and she provided an audio clip, so we're going to hear from her directly. Let's do it. Cue music. Hong Kong Confidential is a podcast designed to educate and entertain my audience. It's an interview-style show where many topical social issues are discussed and personal stories are shared. The podcast can be inspiring, confronting, harrowing, and at times hilarious. We all need to be heard to heal, and listening to the experiences of others can often help the rest of us deal with what life has to throw at us. Hong Kong Confidential, available on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. So that was Jules Hannaford. What is her podcast called again? It is called Hong Kong Confidential, and you can find it anywhere. It's fantastic. Sounds great. So last week, Mm -hmm. we started talking about Shelly and Brent and the kids leaving the Mormon church, and we started to get into the real reasons why it wasn't working for both of you. A lot of it was that the prophet's messages didn't line up with each other. So one prophet would say one thing, and when the prophet speaks, like, that's that's God's word, right? Yeah. And then the next prophet would say something totally different, that not, not only slightly, but contrary to what that other prophet said. So now you're going, well, who's leading? this. If God's leading the church and God is an unchanging God, you know, how is one thing okay with one prophet and then the next prophet, it's not only not okay, it's like, it's a win for Satan. It's evil. You yeah. know, it just, it wasn't making sense. And so he started really looking into it more and talking to people. It's amazing how, when you get educated, you tend to leave the church, which is why the church has always said, don't read anti-Mormon material. And don't question anything. And don't question anything. And so their version of anti-Mormon material is anything that doesn't come from Mormon sites, approved Mormon sites. Ah, okay. So it's like, come to us for the information. Mm-hmm. Anything else, you can't trust it. Trust sure. us. Hey, Shelly. Hi, Mary. This is the time of the episode when we ask people to write in their comments and questions and stuff. Do you mean when you interrupt my story? <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, you have a lot of them. It's true. Yeah. Here's how. Go. One way is through our website, latterdaylesbian.org. Mm-hmm. Another way is on Facebook at Latterday Lesbian Podcast. Twitter and Instagram is at Latterday Les, right? Yes. And then finally, you can just email us directly contact at latterdaylesbian.org. 
So anyway, that's all the ways to get in touch with us. Mm-hmm. Should we get back to your story now? Yes. Okay. I've waited long enough. Have you? Stop making the people wait. Okay. <laughs> or something. Okay, back to the show. Bye-bye. So I think when we left off last week, I was talking about beer. You had said that you were exhausted from having your seventh child mm-hmm. post-mortem depression. You said post-mortem. <laughs> that's what it felt like. <laughs> Postpartum. Oh my god, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Similar. All the moms listening right now are like, "Damn right, it feels like postpartum depression." It's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> Yay, moms! I don't know if there's any coming back from that though. <laughs> no, you're not just depressed; you're sleeping forever. Yes, <laughs> at that point. Yes, yeah. correct. <laughs> but anyway, so you were feeling overwhelmed and trying to get out of teaching Sunday school, and when Brent went to the bishop on your behalf, your bishop wanted to talk to you. Right, and at that time also you were drinking a beer or two a week to try to take the edge off. It actually worked. That's yeah. the thing is it was working f- for me. The kids even noticed I was happier. I wasn't... The kids thought you were washing your hair in the beer. This is true. They must have thought it was some <laughs> magical shampoo that then makes me calmer. Some and of it trickled snapping. into your mouth yeah, in the shower. Like, like most of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting though that it was actually working. It actually did help to take the edge off and I was able to uh, in those times when I was just about to snap on everyone, I could have a beer and take a deep breath right. and take it down just enough to where I wasn't going to break my foot again kicking a door, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, right. Um, so why don't you walk us through that meeting with the bishop? Sure. So I went in, I sat down, he asked why I wanted to quit my calling, and I said, well, you know, I'm just very overwhelmed. Uh, and then he said, are there some things that you're struggling with? I think there was already some murmuring throughout the ward that Brent and I were sort of, because we started asking questions in, uh, in church, in the adult Sunday. No, in adult Sunday school, we would ask questions. We would say, well, actually, you know, this scripture to me seems like this, not what the teacher has said. Like we were being a little more controversial. Sure. And that's a big red flag. Like mm-hmm. if you don't want to get called out in church for being at all wayward, you shut your mouth. Well, plus you had talked about the spirit leaving your body when you got your nose pierced. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, were already on their list. I was already on their list for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if that was before or Suspicious after. Suspicious person. Yeah. Either way, I had been making comments in church, not openly disagreeing, but having more of a view of, well, I'm not sure if we need to judge people in that way. Like I would... I started saying things. So there was already a target on my back. Yeah. And so when he called me in, he started questioning me and I was just worn down. So when you go to your bishop, this is someone that's supposed to be so close to God. Like he's representing God and talking to you and he's supposed to have all this revelation and inspiration with you. And you're supposed to be able to confide in him and he will give you the answers that you need. He will be understanding. He'll help you. This is like your spiritual leader in your congregation. Mm -hmm. And so when I was having these struggles, I thought it would be safe to tell him about some of the struggles that I was having. And so I told him, I said, look, I'm having some doctrinal issues with the church and I don't, you know, I don't really know what to do about it. I am struggling. And, And he said, well, like what? And that's when I said, well, here we go. Here it is. I said, well, the word of wisdom. And can you explain that really quick, what that is? We'll have to do an entire episode on this. But the word of wisdom is basically a revelation, and I'm putting this in quotations, a revelation from God to Joseph Smith, which is essentially a health code. Like a do's and don'ts list? The do's and don'ts, basically. You don't drink 
hot drinks. And then the church interpreted that as coffee and tea. What's uh, wrong with hot drinks? I don't get it. On a it, cold it's, day? It, you know, you're never going to get it because it's <laughs> bullshit, Mary. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like you, there's nothing to get. Okay. There's also part about avoiding strong drinks, which the church has then interpreted as vodkas and those kind of strong alcohols. Okay. But it also says that mild barley drinks are good for you, right. which Brent and I interpreted as beer, actually looking, well, it looking is a into barley it. Drink. Yeah, and Joseph Smith drank beer and Brigham Young even drank beer, like hey, after I the would, fact. I would suggest suggest that there are whiskeys made from barley potentially. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. It's just all, it's just all maybe craziness. Not. Maybe rye. I'm thinking of rye and there aren't barley whiskeys. Oh, maybe we'll make one. <laughs> We're going to set up a still next mm-hmm, in all our mm-hmm. spare time. For sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. There's also parts in the word of wisdom that Mormons completely ignore, which are you should only eat fruits in their season. Hmm. Um, eat meat sparingly. Okay. And the thing is, when you, when you go in for your temple interview where you're asked, do you obey the word of wisdom? Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what, Mormons? None of y'all obey it. Did you eat... An apple today, guess what? You just broke the word of wisdom because apples are not in season right now. Right. So it's bullshit that they focus on the alcohol, yeah. tea, and coffee part. Plus, they probably can't drink hot chocolate because it's a hot drink, right? Right, but they've then interpreted it as, oh, it just means coffee. Oh, so they do drink hot chocolate. Yes. Well, that's... And they don't test the temperature first. They just drink it. And, and that's a hot beverage. Well, I know. Mary, look at me. <laughs> Look at me through the plexiglass. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Can I do the fake joke twice in one episode? You, you may. Go. It's really fake, Kelly. <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. Honestly, the more we talk about it out loud, I'm like, oh my God. It's <laughs> so stupid. It's so stupid. I don't, like, wow. There's no real rhyme or reason to any of it. No, it's whatever the prophet decides to say that God said. And so, that's yeah. why it's so damaging because depending on who's in charge, you're going to get some crazy shit. I am scared for when Dallas. H. Oaks becomes the prophet because he, I think he's next in line because he's the most anti-gay person mm-hmm. that I think has ever been in the presidencies of the church. He's the one who was all for um, conversion therapy. He was the one who wanted to make laws to make any kind of gay anything illegal. Like he's he's a shitty human as right. far as gay rights goes, and he's next in line to start speaking for God. Uh, then what's Laura Root gonna do? <laughs> oh, hot Laura Root, <laughs> hot hot Laura Root. Laura, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, hot Laura? Did we ever pimp her pod? By the way, we, we yeah, kind of did. No, we did. We okay, did. ask a Mormon lesbian. Yes. I just pimped it. Yes, thank you. That Two pimps. Two pimps. Yeah. Um, she and I had some funny conversation about when some of these prophets die and that um, God's going to like give them a big slap across the face because <laughs> they were stupid. I'd rather punch them in the throat. Okay. Okay. Throat punch. Yeah. That's a nice little sidetrack. <laughs> we did get really sidetracked. So you are talking to your bishop. Mm-hmm. You are questioning the word of wisdom. Yes. Specifically about the barley drinks. Yes, because okay. at this time I'm drinking a beer once in a while. Right. And so it seemed to you that it was okay to do that based on Joseph Smith's right. wacky word of wisdom. Here's the thing in Mormonism. You are not allowed to receive your own revelation. Oh, you're not allowed to go against their rules and say, God said I could, because they will tell you, God would never tell you something different than what they've told me. And I'm above you. That is the rule. And actually my (laughs) bishop, even in Sunday school one time, I had said something that was slightly controversial and he raised his hand and he said, you can always trust your priesthood leaders. They would never lead you astray. That's been uh, told of in scriptures. And then I raised my hand after, and I remember the Sunday school looking at me like, oh my God, do I call on her? <laughs> he did, and I said, I'm sorry. I just have to very respectfully disagree with that, Bishop. Wow. That's just not true. 
Wow. Gutsy. Um, and then the target was then huge on my back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it all went kind of downhill from there. So back to this meeting with the bishop, I told him I was questioning the validity, I guess, of the word of wisdom. At least this one section of it. This one part. And I explained to him why it made no sense and why can people go to the temple who are addicted to other substances like prescription drugs, for example. Utah has a huge, huge problem with people being addicted to prescription drugs. Because they can't drink. Yeah, and they're miserable. The lifestyle is so strict, it's hard to keep up with the Joneses. And you end up being depressed. So I questioned why could someone who's addicted to those kind of drugs go in the temple? I questioned, you know, if you're eating the wrong fruit in the season, then you shouldn't be allowed in the temple. Mm-hmm. Also, if you eat meat at every meal, which most Mormons do, you should also not be allowed to go in the temple if the word of wisdom is part of the temple interview. Sure. And it says eat meat sparingly. Exactly. Yeah. And by the way, he never had answers for this. He just would say, well, prophets have said, it doesn't have to make sense. He just has to say, prophets have said. Yeah. It doesn't matter how illogical it is. It's like the shitty parenting where you just say, because I said so. Because I said so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then he asked me, well, are you struggling with the word of wisdom? And I said, well, what do you mean by this struggling? Is a setup. Oh, total setup. Yeah. And, but I was You're, trusting him. I, I was, know. I was in tears at this point. Oh. I was like, I'm struggling. This is my religion for my entire life. Yeah. It's starting to crumble and I'm in a really shitty spot. Shelly walked into a trap. Walked into a trap. Oof. Oh, there's multiples, by the way. Multiple traps. traps? Yes. Mm. Oh, you guys will love the next few episodes that's going to take to get all this out. So I said, well, what do you mean struggling? He says, well, are you drinking alcohol? And I said, you know, I have found that having one or two beers, which is a mild barley drink, I'm talking low percentage, like 4% alcohol, 4 to 4.5% alcohol. (laughs) And it's a Heineken, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I said, I have found that that helps me relax and calm down and actually helps me be a better, more patient mom. And he looked at me like I had just told him that I was, you know, killing puppies or something. I mean, he was just (laughs) shocked. Oh, shocked. And he said right away, he goes, I'm going to need your temple record. And pass it Whoa. over. Just like that. Whoa. Just like that. And I, I didn't have it on me. And oh, damn, I wish I could go back as who I am now, go back to when I was leaving the church and stand up for myself. Yes. But I, in that moment, I still felt his authority above me. And the shame you and must have And the shame, felt. Yeah. And, yeah. And I said, well, I don't have it with me. Um, Are you supposed said, to carry that on you at all times? Well, no. I, I don't know why. I was shocked, but I was shocked that he said right away I wasn't temple worthy. That's your ticket to celestial oh, kingdom, yeah. right? Yeah. If you are not temple worthy, you're shit in the wow. church. You really are because you're not going to be saved. He just damned you to hell right there. Yes, because I had had some beer. Whoa. Not only did he damn me to hell, he separated me from my children. Mm-hmm. He separated me from my husband. Yep. And I remember feeling very hurt um, because sure. I knew him outside of his calling as bishop. Like we played basketball together and stuff and he and, and his wife and I were friends. So and basically he took your temple recommend away, but you were still allowed to attend church? Well, here's the thing. I was allowed to attend church, of course, but he said you are not allowed to take the sacrament for three weeks. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, that's the worst punishment. Well, here's the thing, though, Mary, it is because if you are a believing Mormon, you believe that when you take the sacrament, you're taking on Christ's body and blood, right? It's probably the only time Jesus has ever thought of in the Mormon church. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And so in doing that, it's supposed, it's supposed to draw you closer to Christ. So him okay. telling me, you've been bad, you can't take the sacrament, it's like, Hey, you're, you're walking away from Christ with your actions. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take away the way that you can get closer to him. 
That's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I explained that to him. I'm like, why would you do that? The sacrament is supposed to be a time where you're sitting and you're thinking of Jesus and, and you're partaking of his blood and his in his body. And What if you took it anyway? Don't they just pass it on the aisles? Would he even notice? Oh, he would have called me in. Oh, hell yeah. They sit on the, uh, the, they sit facing the audience. And they would have watched you oh, the entire time. Oh, 100%. So do you think him taking that away from you is just a way to draw attention that you weren't taking um, it? No, because I don't think that he was an asshole in that regard. But in his mind, because he was very by the book, that if you take the sacrament unworthily, which is what I would have been doing according to him, it's a sin. It's like it's mocking Mormonism. It's mocking God. Well, we're mocking Mormonism right now. I'm still waiting on the lightning bolt. (laughs) And also in Mormonism, you notice when people don't take the sacrament. When the sacrament's being passed around, people notice when you don't take it. And the first thing in your mind is like, oh, I wonder what they did. That's what I'm saying. Maybe he wanted that as punishment. I don't know. I, I don't think he wanted people to notice that I was sinning. I, I don't, I don't think he was an asshole in that way. Hmm. Um, but I think he's just going by the rules and the, the rules make no sense. Just like, and it's something I told him, I said, why would you take my temple recommend? I am struggling right now. I'm trying to figure out what I believe. Don't you think that the temple is where I should be? Cause mm-hmm. we were going to the temple all the time. What do you do there? Oh, that's another episode, Mary. <laughs> Whole another episode. Uh, I said, you're really going to keep me out of the temple over a couple of beers a week. Like I, I need that now more than anything. Mm -hmm. I need to sit and ponder and listen and figure out my own eternal plan. You know, like I need to figure myself out. Yeah. Why would you take this from me? And he said, well, we can't just let people in the temple who are going to be drinking. And I said, okay, well, what would you suggest I do? Right. He goes, well, you can get medication. And I said, okay, okay, okay. So you would rather, so right now (laughs) I'm drinking one or two beers a week to help with my anxiety. And you were suggesting I go to the doctor and get put on medication for anxiety, which, by the way, let me just say, I have no problem with that either. But it's the same thing. I know. And that's the thing. It's like, so you would rather me take these pills that have side effects and I can get addicted to them. My kids yeah. could get a hold of them. Like there's all these things that could be bad. You can be addicted to pills. You can be addicted to alcohol. It's like, it's all a substance. Yeah. And he just kept going back to, well, the word of wisdom states. So he would rather you be on Xanax than a 4% nasty beer. absolutely, 100%. That you were washing your hair with. (laughs) According to what I told my kids. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. And I'll never say that the people within the church are what caused me to leave the church, but I will say that their reactions to me for sure pushed me out the door a lot faster. Absolutely. At this point, you still hadn't decided to leave the church. Is that right? There's more to come. Yeah, no, there's so much more. I, we're, we're like 3% in. 3%? <laughs> I don't know, maybe 15. There's a lot. I have pages and pages of notes, and I think we covered like three sentences. Because there's so much there. There's so many emotions. There's so many feelings there. There's things that just suck. I don't know, it's actually not easy to get through. And it's hard for me because I look back on that time, and as far as my bishop went, I really liked him as a human being. I liked him as a person. Early did. Yeah. But having this experience with him being my bishop, it shook me. It really did. I left that meeting in tears. I'm sure you did. I left that meeting feeling betrayed. Mm-hmm. I left feeling like I'd lost a friend mm. because he was my friend. I left feeling like I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. I felt alone. I felt confused. I felt unloved. I felt right. completely unsupported. I felt attacked. You probably felt shame and guilt. I, oh, I felt shame. I felt like, oh my God, well, now what am I going to do? I can't take the sacrament. And I felt controlled. I also felt oh, controlled. for sure. Well, that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And I didn't have the strength yet to just kind of flip him off and be like, I'm out. I don't need this shit. Right. I wish I could go back and redo. I'm sure. Yeah. I think everybody thinks that. A few, you know, a good year after they've actually left, they wish they could do it again on their own terms. Like more dramatic. Just, I will decide. 
Yeah. I will give you my temple recommend if I want, or I'll keep it in my pocket and I'll, I'll sell it on eBay. Like, (laughs) (laughs) is it a thing? Oh yeah, it is. Oh, for sure. How much do they go for? I don't know. Now they're electronic, so I think that when people leave the church, they can actually like erase them out of the system so you can't use it to get in. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that was a horrible <laughs> experience. There's more to it because after that, of course, I told Brent about it when I got home, and Brent got pissed, and so both of us went and met with the bishop. Oh, And that okay. was horrible. And then we went and met with the stake president, which was horrible times 20. Oh, um, okay. It just gets better and better, so stay tuned. All right, more to come next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How long is this going to take us? Well, I, you know, a while. Okay. So just get cozy, everybody. Maybe pop some popcorn for, for the sure. Story. And keep sending in questions, by the way, because I keep, I do keep writing them down. We also are getting a lot of requests that people want to hear more about Mary. Huh, There's something lady. about Mary. Is there? Um, so I, I am allowing her to speak a oh, little more. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm so tempted to say thank you, Sister DeWitt. Oh, oh God. Burn. You're welcome, Sabrina. Boom. Boom. Mm-hmm. So more to come. But for now, remember... Remember, steer clear of cults because they are no joke. Not even a little bit joke. Not even. Although we do joke about it. We do. All right. (laughs) That's true. We do joke Uh about it. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.